You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wondering nights. It's 30 Okay. Um, 
there was a whole bunch of mixed tags on these. I didn't watch any of them. I've been watching that much wrestling. I've been recording fucking episodes about every night of the G1. Don't care about any of that. I'm sure there was some good stuff to happen. And from what I've seen from some little clips, there was some fun stuff. But I did not have time for it. So I just jumped into the four block nights on each of the nights. First up for A block was Yoda Suji versus Gabe Kid in a real just like black mirror moment where there's two Yoda Sujis and it's very confusing because they look so similar. Turns out Yoda Suji has trotted out his actual real life twin brother, which is amazing, identical twin brother in his coat. Gabe Kid, of course, attacks like he has attacked everybody in the tournament and then Yoda comes from behind. This was a great match. Gabe has worked so hard in this tournament, unlike some of the other motherfuckers from this block, um, and really put in the effort here to make himself stand out and to make the most of his opportunities in G1. And that is much the same for Yoda Suji. Like, I feel like we're watching what is essentially the beginning of many, many times we will see these guys in combat against each other and I have no problem with it um, really enjoyed it um, Yoda manages to pick up the win here finish higher in the block but not really I believe it keeps him alive at this point but he's not really going to be able to qualify Is it? it's going to come down to um, Shooter and Hikaleo with um, after this, we were on to Red Narita versus Kaido Kiyomiya. Now, this one I was disappointed in. I figured Red's big moment of the tournament would be spoiling Kaido. But honestly, I know he's not out of the com like out of this company. But fuck, man, I you should have just called it audible. You can bring Red back later. How often do you have Kaido? I think there's some real great matches to be had in this elite eight and into the finals if you throw Kaido in there. So it was pretty disappointing to see him lose to, personally, I think one of the, the Musketeers that's been underperforming. Um, he's a... Red has not really been firing. I don't think he's been looking particularly good. I'm sure he's under so much pressure. And maybe, you know, he'll come good in the end. You know, we expect so much from those three young guys. But yeah, um, I'm sure Kaido's still going to make an impact before the end of the tour. Um, commentary made sure to say, you know, he's still on for the rest of the tour. So he has a chance to make sure people know about him. So I'm sure we're going to see some shenanigans that probably lead towards Kaido versus Okada in a bigger spot later. But yeah, just... I think a missed opportunity there for him to go deeper. And to be honest, I think he's really been one of the MVPs of this block. And yeah, I don't think Red had earned the win over him yet. So yeah, that was a, sh uh, a shame. But we'll see how it goes. The match itself wasn't that bad, but I just felt like, you know, the wrong kid died kind of scenario. Next up was Sonata and Chase Owens. I could give a fuck about this. Um, look, I... I've said many things about Sonata and his run and, and different things like that. Everybody has opinions on Chase Owens, and I, I'm bored of all of it, really. At the end of the day, I think it comes down to this with these two. Like, Sonata is the champion of New Japan, 
and I think it's very clear that he can have very good matches. To me, I think it's clear he doesn't necessarily have the ability to bring people to matches on his level or above their station, or even above his station. Uh, one thing I think Okada was really good at as champion was ensuring that everybody rose to his level and bringing out the best in his opponents. Will Ospreay's really good at stuff like that. If Sonata has an opponent that isn't capable of that level, then he can't take them there. Um, but if they are, then he can bring out the best of them. And if they're better than him, then he can rise to that next level. And that's, that's honestly how I feel about him at the moment. I'm not necessarily hating him, um, you know, as much as I maybe have in the past, but I think there's a ceiling on what he can do, at least for now, um, as far as his ability goes. And will he find that? Maybe. But I don't really feel like being positive about it. It's the G1. You need to be delivering the best. Um, and yeah, I just chase, man. Like, he, he can do some fine stuff, but I, I don't think we need to be seeing him in a G1 climax. And I don't think he had any direction himself. Like, I don't think he knew what he wanted to say. I don't know what he wanted to push. He's just part of the roster, and that's fine. But I feel like that slot could be used more wisely um, in this tournament. Next up was Shota Umino versus Hikaleo. And to say that this let the fucking air out of my sails is a bit of an understatement. I was really disappointed as this played out. And I don't want this to be me ripping on Hikaleo because I think he's done really well in the tournament and I do think he has risen more than I ever thought he was possible but get, when we talk about the, the eight of like the elite eight that are getting out of these blocks and you tell me that fucking Sonata and Hikaleo are the two that you're pulling out of that amazing crop of talent in block eight it just really deflates me I'm, I'm pretty sure they were who I said were, like, I was asked my worst case scenario by Curtis before this tournament, and I'm pretty sure they're the two I said. And there was a brief glimmer of hope where I was like, oh, maybe, um, maybe there's a point to this. Obviously, Hikaleo, you know, kicked Jay White out of New Japan. Maybe Hikaleo's gonna verse Finlay in the next round, and then it's another scalp for Finlay to take that Jay White couldn't, except for he doesn't. Like, unless Finlay finishes second, which I don't think they can maybe come back around eventually. No, that doesn't even work. The mass doesn't work. Uh, unless they get to somewhere else uh, really far in the line, and that would be a travesty. I think there's every likelihood that in this next round of matches, we're going to see Hikuleo, the number two in A, versus number one in D, which will probably be Naito. And I can't imagine falling asleep fucking faster than Naito, who, in my opinion, is sleepwalking his way through the G1, and Hikaleo, like, I just, I just can't imagine it. Maybe they pulled something amazing out, but I was really bummed. And I'm not, like, the biggest shooter fan in the world. I mean, I was probably extra pissed off because he's in my team as far as, like, the pickums go for G1 ring, but I feel like he's a young guy with, like, a lot of promise, and I know... New Japan, you know, build on those defeats and stuff, but I just I think you could have picked anybody else, man, like anybody else 
um, would have been would led to more exciting matchups. So yeah, I, I was really bummed about this scenario. I was texting, I was awake at night. Our little dog, uh, Mochi, had had her spay surgery, so I was sort of up watching her as well as sleeping in the spare together. And I was messaging Curtis at like 3.30am in a fucking rage, eh? Now he, Curtis and I can be real good at playing devil's advocate for each other and bringing us each other back from the brink. Uh, and he said, look, I will, I do respect that, you know, New Japan's bookings, they're like, this is what we see for these guys. They're going to be in that position, and it's up to them to rise to that, to give us that. And that's the way we're booking it, and that's the way it's going to go. And I do respect that, and I do appreciate that. But at the time, I didn't want to hear it. And to be honest, I think they're going to drop the ball. Like, I don't... Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I... Nicolay's credit, I mean, he did... I thought he was going to drop the ball again in that match against Jay White, but Jay made him look like magic. Whether that plays out in this these coming things, I, I don't know. I was just really excited about, like, the final eight and what that would mean because we haven't... Despite a few class... Uh, a few, you know, good matches in these initial block matches, there hasn't really been some super super G1 bangers yet so I, I'm really expecting the best of the best out of these final nights and that just don't do it for me and I, I don't think you know he's ready for it so yeah pretty disappointing but we will see how it goes I'm not ready to send him to jail yet but I I am disappointed in him why I think I'm so bummed about the top two in A being Sonata and Hikale, despite the criticisms I have about their wrestling. Could we just talk about, like, character and charisma for a second? For, like, I don't know, 14 years, RuPaul has been on a, a journey. And RuPaul's Drag Race looking for charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. That's what I want to see from my wrestlers. Yeah? And when I break down those things on each of the, like, each of the wrestlers, I think wrestlers need to have all four of those things. And if you don't have all four of them, then the one that you're missing needs to like, I don't know, shoot through the roof or whatever. And if you just break down those premises on each of those guys, I'm just not really sure it's there. Like, Sonata. Charisma? No. I don't, I don't, I really don't believe so. Uniqueness? I mean, he's a handsome dude. Unique it, like, I don't know, being a blank slate, I guess? Nerve? He doesn't really seem to take any chances for me. And I don't think it's fair to say he doesn't have talent. I think he does. But is it to enough of a level that it can compensate for those other three factors, yeah? And then Hikaleu. Charisma? Not really there. Uniqueness? Very tall. Nerve? Doesn't really seem to be taking any super chances. And talent? I think there's talent there, but it's still in the early developing stages. So, 
that's just where I'm at. When we're talking about vitalists, when we're talking about people getting big pushes and becoming like flag bearers from the company, that's what I want to say. That's where I get frustrated. I'm on that RuPaul scale. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Okay. B block. <laughs> I hope it'll lose everybody with that fucking tirade, but it's out of my system now. I've said it. All right. Next up was uh, B-Block. The first match is Yoshihashi versus Kenta. And man, Yoshihashi was trying, but there's not a lot I can say here. This was painting by numbers. So there's some slaps by Kenta. There's, I don't know. We did something else here. I, I don't really have a lot to say about this one. I can't imagine caring about it in any way. Tai Chi versus the Great Okan. Now, as I said, I was in a, not a great mental place uh, over these two days. Dealing with a sick dog. I'm fucking pissed off at night one. Um, I did like this match. I like the two of them. I kind of want to go back and watch it again, maybe with fresh eyes. Because this should be everything I want. I do remember liking it. But I'm having a hard time now recalling the details. I think, in my own mind... I thought the match had already happened, and then I was sort of surprised that I was like, oh, wait, I get this match again? In reality, it was just in my own mind. So, uh, <laughs> uh, it was good. I'm actually super pumped to see the Great Okan challenge for that Tai Chi belt. I said that in earlier episodes. For that K KOPW, I think that could be a real good place for uh, the Great Okan, and I would love to see him laying on that I'm the King of Pro Wrestling vibe. I think that could be really cool for him. So, let's see, go. I also like the savagery of that last hold. Now I remember it. That shoulder lock thing where it was just, it was a wrap. That was, that was really cool. All right. Um, Okada versus Tungaloa. Now, bro, I kind of like, I, I think I like Tungaloa as a person. I think he seems very charming and nice and like a friendly guy. And I even liked him like, comforting ELP after that match, uh, both, you know, when he burst here, but afterwards, I like that sort of caring side of him, but dude, this match, I just went on a bit of a tear saying that Okada fucking would make people look good, there was nothing he could do here, man, that soft style strike thing he does, I, I don't know what it is, it's like a Haku vibe, but just looks... So fucking trash, man. I saw somebody on Twitter defending it, being like, it's called protecting the top guy before, like, the final fucking run of matches. And I understand what you're saying, but, dude, you're not protecting anybody. You're making yourself both look terrible. Um, that's all I really say about this. Um, yeah, it was... It was average at best. Uh, I think they brought... Tungalow back a little bit too early here, but I hope he watches that back and learns and thinks about sort of what that is and and what he needs to do to get to the same spot. You know, you're in New Japan Pro Wrestling. This is some of like the hardest fucking hitting shit in the world. The size that he's got and the look that he's got doing like never fucking KOPW like hard hitting strong style, he could be a beast in this company. He, he just needs to do it. He needs to fucking lay his shit in and needs to get a better finisher. I hate, hate shit. It looks terrible. 
There's a, there's fucking 30 centimeters between his fucking opponent's head and the fucking mat at best. So, you know, what is it, a gut buster or something? I, I don't know. I don't like it. Um, next up, El Phantasmo versus Will Ospreay is everything I fucking wanted to see. These two were so good together. The amount of respect uh, EO, um, Will Ospreay was putting on ELP's name was awesome. The amount of fucking, like, false finishes where they made you think that ELP could do it as well, like... Will gave him so much here. It's very clear that he thinks the world of him and and wants him to do well. And that crowd was ravenous. That was like an ELP fucking town. I absolutely loved it. I was so sorry um, to see him not pick up that win, but so happy for him. That, that match is the definition of victory and defeat. Um just so good but also will making himself look so good he really is one of the best in the world at that stuff and still got me believing that he could potentially win it despite holding that US belt I'm um I'm pissed off I didn't pick him for my team for the pickums but I really thought that with the Okada staff and with ALP being on the last night I really thought he'd hit a banana peel and because of that title it'd get slipped up so it looks like it's going to come back to haunt me but if you haven't seen a match I would have to say that that was one of the like highlight matches of the tournament like if you're just going to parachute in and check out a G1 match and want to see that really fast you know high flying hard hitting New Japan style that is a definition of it that's like Will Ospreay versus Kenny uh levels of, of effort and it's so good um, he finishes him with that fucking storm driver uh, 93 which is literally death um, and yeah the, the angle on it this time didn't look quite as brutal as the Kenny Omega one um, but yeah it was, it was really good man uh, I can't recommend it enough I'm very excited um, to see where we're going um, and to see what's next I'm I'm really interested to speculate about where we're going to be so what are we looking at? We're looking at um, Sonata and Hikaleo and Osprey and Okada and then C and D now I'd have to be thinking we're talking Jesus, maybe Finlay and Shingo? Is it? Is Shingo still in the mix? I don't know. Um, and then... Naito and Zack, maybe? Or Naito and Cobb? I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. I think we're going to be looking at, like... Maybe it's Sonata versus Shingo. Is it 1 versus C2? Either way, I'm not going to speculate now because I'm absolutely going to mince the order. Um, but let's see what those Elite Eight are and what they could do. And that will be very interesting, yeah? I think the current standings in the Pickums are Amy on 27, me on 26, Curtis on 25, and Travis on 18. So it's heating up. It's still a close race. Um, but... Fuck, I, uh, I haven't 
added in the the points there for the quarter finalists. So I'll make sure to give them to Curtis. Um, but I think we're gonna see. Well, who's through? I can do it right now. I'll do it live while at the, at the traffic lights. So Amy's on 27 and she's got Okada in. So that takes her up to a plus two for getting into the quarterfinals. So she is actually on 29. Nobody has Osprey, nobody has Sonata, nobody has Hikolai. Okay, Amy on 29, me on 26, Curtis on 25, Travis on 18. Um, as far as my guys, everybody is eliminated from my team now, except for Fidlay. Um, everybody is eliminated from Amy's team, except for Okada, because Hanare and Godo can't get through. Uh, everybody is eliminated from Curtis's team, except for Naito. And... Everybody is eliminated from Travis's team, except for maybe Eddie Kingston. Is Eddie Kingston still in the mix? He might be. He might get a quarterfinal out of Eddie Kingston yet. So we will see what pans out as it goes. Thank you for listening. I don't know if this was extra long. I can't check the timer because I'm driving. Um, but thank you for listening. You're going to have your good friend Curtis Spears back very soon to take you through the finals of Knights of Blocks C and D. And then we're heading screaming into the Elite Eight, the semis, the finals, the whole deal. So make sure you check out us on all the places at Okada Shorts. Make sure you check out our sister shows at Throwing Dice Pod or Curtis's Wargaming Podcast, Throwing Dice check out my sister show at Faces Feels Cast. Everything you need to know about the world of independent wrestling in a way. At least as well about the people that I interview on there. Um, I do have interviews with New Japan Pro Wrestling Talent. You can catch out interviews with the likes of Aaron Hanare and Robbie Eagles. Uh, you can also check out our sister shows, Hot Friends over at the Cab Network where you can not only check out cool shows like Ring Post Radio, keeping you up to date with everything, uh, Your Dose of Death, talking about the Deathmatch indie scene, but you can also subscribe to the Patreon for only $5 a month and check out our Brodown podcast, Drop Your Shorts, coming out every month when we're not doing G-Wondering anyway, of us just talking about our lives and hanging out, and we're going to put a bit more into that because we've got some fun ideas and some extra content that we can't always fit into Okada Shorts. So, check all that stuff out and you know what to do. It's rate and subscribe, listen or die, keep it right, keep it tight, and most importantly, keep it what? Short.
So, Curtis. Yeah, man. Canart said we've got to do an ad. I've never done one before. Uh-oh. What should we do? I have no idea, bro. I, I, like, I ever made an ad before. What, what, what are we doing an ad for? I don't know. We just say we're like a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast, and we just put a bunch of clips like here. Arguably the most shredded guy. So yeah. you really want to get there, too. <laughs> uh, I, maybe a little bit bigger. Yeah. We'll see. Heard that here. Michael Richards <laughs> calling Jay White small compared to him. <laughs> he, uh, I love it. This picture you've painted for me, I, I want to hang it up. I want to frame it and hang it up in my in my bedroom. Yeah. We don't have a WWE tryout or a New Japan tryout every second week. And now I'm in Bullet Club. And here? Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega. Do you want to just go off about this match? How do you take or talk about one of... I think probably the best matches you've ever seen. That's an ad, right? Yeah, yeah, that works. That that that's that's brilliant because then all our work's already been done for us and we don't have to do anything. Aha, past us did it. Present us living in the now. Look at us. Look, Look at, at us being friggin' brilliant. Mate, minimum effort, maximum output. Okada Shorts podcast. Check it out on the Countout Network at Okada Shorts. Rate and subscribe, listen or die. This has been a Countout Podcast. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.